It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It is the 2020 season review. It's sadly not ending in a playoff run for your Philadelphia Phillies, but right here we're going to talk a little bit about what happened, people who stood out, how do we get better, and uh, let's take a look at a little playoff action here and the 16 teams that are involved right here on Pine Tower for Breakfast. In the air to left field, going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Francis sends everybody home. Ball there, coming down. down. What up, and welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. I am your host, Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. It's been a while, I know, but uh, at the same time, been working pretty much every day for the uh, last couple weeks, and that's a uh, not a negative thing. Um, not exactly how we, as Philadelphia Phillies fans, would love or liked this season to have ended, but it did, and there's a lot of... Um, a lot of things that I think uh, we could clean up um, from a player standpoint. Uh, just seeing the overall where we are is in the division, um, things that obviously are are you know concerning for the organization, but also some huge positives. Um, and you know we need to get into that season review. If you look at it, twenty eight and thirty two. It started off a little weird, obviously with the Marlins in the the two games to one loss in the first week of the season. Um, and then you had all those Marlin guys go down with, with COVID-19 and, you know, everything was kind of shut down. Now this team kept fighting. And that's like the one thing that I was impressed with was that you could have something like that where you're so excited to get the season started. Then after the first weekend, it gets shut down and they did not make that an excuse. It really, they didn't when they came back and you had the Yankees, then you get the Braves he had a tough schedule right away for a lot of these guys that were not conditioned yet to be ready to go. With that being said, there's, you know, a, a, a huge positive where we saw the offense just absolutely carry this team for so long. You had the starting staff and Aaron Nola and, and Zach Wheeler, who were great for the entire, the entire time up until the last couple starts. Um, Zach Eflin, who had to be delayed quite a bit in this whole thing in this pandemic year, he was delayed in getting out there for his first start and then, you know, making a a few more. And the next thing you know, he got on a roll and what a year for Zach Eflin, someone that you would think that, you know, with his relief appearance the other day and, and, and put his ERA down to a three, nine, seven, uh, the one thing that really just stood out was he had a three, nine, seven, I thought it would have been way lower. Just the way he pitched, the way he attacked the zone, the way he was Zach Eflin himself. Uh, I think that was the one thing that stood out with me with him was that he was himself the entire time. Now, there were some games where it kind of struggled through the first couple innings, and then he got going, and then it was too you know too much too late um, or too little too late. Uh, but 
Zach Eflin for a season was I really thought uh, not only he was he's he's borderline on the verge of being special. He really is. He's just touching the surface. Four and two, three nine seven, and fifty nine innings. Uh, Zach Wheeler, I thought was just tremendous. Um, last two starts weren't his best. Obviously, the only two losses that he has has had as a Philadelphia Philly. Uh, but you look at the 97 that he was throwing, the sink, the slider, the change up the split, the, the split that randomly shows up here and there when, ah, you know, this is not feeling good today, the curveball. Uh, but someone that I thought attacked the zone that showed that you didn't need to go after every hitter to strike out. I think that's the one thing that really stood out more than anything was Zach Wheeler could pitch. And he could pitch deep into the game. And that, to me, is a, a tremendous um, attribute to have. When you are a guy that can throw that hard, that has the ability to punch out a bunch of bunch of guys, but you stay within yourself and you know, as Charlie Manning would say, know thyself. And he does. And that was really, for me, it was a, a pleasure to watch. Aaron Nola, um, you know, struggled towards the end. And he's done that the last few years. But Aaron Nola is every fifth day, every sixth day, whatever it may have been, uh, he took the ball. 12 starts on the year. He threw two complete games. Yes, they were in 7-8 doubleheaders, but uh, 71 innings, 54 hits only allowed. I think the 96 strikeouts was unbelievable. I do think that if if Aaron Nola needs to get better, it is to – it's the fastball location for him. You look at fastball location for Aaron Nola – to be able to pitch with that the entire time and not just have to rely on going with the changeup and the curveball, which are two phenomenal pitches, but they become beyond, and I'm talking beyond elite, if he has his, his fastball location. And that, that's a fact in, in my mind. I've uh, seen him enough this year. Jake Arrieta, I, I, obviously until the – you know the injury. He was good. Uh, had some rough, you know, some hiccups here and there. But there's a few starts in there that made him, uh, you know, the Jake that we know. Vince Velasquez again inconsistent, but uh, I, I think the last two starts that he had, one in Tampa, I wish you know he could have gotten through the fifth, but he didn't. Um, and, and we'll see where where it goes with there. Uh, Spencer Howard, uh, another one that you look at with the starting staff, and still so many unknowns. A lot of things that we, you know, have learned about Spencer and we saw the drop in velocity after the third inning was tremendous this year. I mean, you talk about going from 94 down to 91 in that span and it's concerning, uh, but you never know. Could it have been the, you know, the lack of routine? Could it have been the lack of buildup? Could it have been the, you know, just trying to, to, to make your debut in the, in the big leagues isn't the easiest of things. Um, in a, in a shortened season where you're going from the alternate site and everything. Uh, I, I think we all know the bullpen. Um, Hector Neris is really good. Uh, Tommy Hunter had his his moments. Blake Parker had his moments. Uh, the overall numbers will say that Blake Parker was great. I think there's some times where uh, the men that were, you know, that he acquired when he came into the game uh, in scoring, that would have been the only troubling fact. But it, it – what I look at with this team, and it was the unfortunate IL stint and the loss of year for Jose Alvarez, and I really think that that should be highlighted more than anything, is that Jose Alvarez and the loss that we had with him uh, in Buffalo, uh, 
it, it, there was a maturity about him. There was a gamer about him. There was everything about that guy in the pen that was a stabilizing force that I think that we need to talk about even more um, because he was he was phenomenal in the last couple of years of, of where he was uh, for this franchise. So you look at uh, Jose Alvarez loss, and that, that, that ended up being bigger than what we thought. Uh, Jojo Romero um, still you know, very young, obviously not having to do um, anything uh, as far as uh, being a reliever until this last fall league. And seeing 95 to 97 is pretty nice. Uh, and, and so you look at that and you're going, okay, um, that can work. JoJo can work. Ramon Rosso, he can work. Now we got to figure out at, the, at some point what is Ramon Rosso. Um, and, I, and I think that would be great. Uh, the overall, like the highlight of my, my year when it comes to the, the people that we saw, I mean, it, it basically goes down to Alec Bohm and, and Connor Brogdon. I mean, you, you talk about a guy that just absolutely just blew my socks off. And I'm sure he did for a lot of people. He got people coming. Look, he, he made his debut coming from the alternate site and not understanding, I think, what the moment was really going to be like because without the fan, that was not something that you're used to. Uh, non-competitive games in, in the alternate site uh, doesn't take away from the fact that they were working hard. Now, the other thing that you have to look at is what what did he do? Well, he came up as a four-seam fastball guy, had a little baby cutter if he wanted at, you know, wasn't confident in, and an unbelievable changeup. Well, as a, as a major league hitter, a four-seam fastball changeup, now it could be deadly, but if that fastball lacks the location uh, and lacks the velocity, I think we understand that you're – you're not going to be all that great. So you need a pitch to get guys a little bit off, like being able to crowd lefties with that cutter, being able to get the the right-handed batters to lean out over the plate just a little bit. This guy went down to the alternate site the second, for the second time and then came back up with a cutter that was devastating because it was 87-89, um, and it gave the most awkward look to everyone because now he's throwing 95-97 with that four-seam fastball, the changeup that was like more, it just looked like it hit a wall and just dropped. It looked like a cartoon type of uh, what they would call a Bugs Bunny changeup, but it just looked like it hit the wall, and you're going, oh, my God, this guy's special. And what he did, I mean, hats off to him. He could have been down in the dumps and, and, oh, you know, I woe was me. I got a home run hit on the first pitch. I gave up two bombs. Look, teams are one for their last 26 against him. He's, a, he's the first one in Philadelphia Phillies history to have back-to-back outings where he struck out the side. And struck out the side on, oh, by the way, six consecutive batters. So Connor Brogdon was one of those guys that you look at, and it just beyond stood out. Um, and you know that you know great things, or you hope that great things are going to happen. 11 and third innings, five hits, five earned runs, three home runs, all on all in that first stint, the first three outings that he had here in the big leagues. 11 and 13, 17 punch outs. So it, there, there's there's stuff to look at. It, it's it's one of those things where you wish that uh, Sir Anthony would, would have had that surgery um, and that he'd be on the men looking forward to the following year. And you look at Connor Brogdon, uh, like Connor Brogdon, 
Sir Anthony Dominguez and Hector Neris, and you you got yourself a a pretty good back end of the bullpen. Uh, you know, depending on what other moves are made. So th- that that was incredible for me. I I look. Here's the other thing: the offense was standout for much of the year. The last couple of weeks, it just looked, or last week at least, it looked like they were tired. They're carrying a lot of the the brunt of having to come back and. Uh, you know, not looking at, you know, pointing fingers, but just like you got exhausted. Um, you had five guys over 10, 10 or more homers. You lost Reese Hoskins towards the end of the year with the, the elbow injury that just was devastating because the guy was so, he was on point. Like you could just finally see things were starting to click again for Reese. Um, you know, hitting 245 with almost a 900 OPS. JT was great. Obviously, struggle towards the end, but that was because there's a, a pretty good quad injury right there. Um, Didi was, I, I think, the one that surprised me more than anything. Not because I didn't think he was, I just, I didn't know how easy it was. I mean, it was, it looked so easy for Didi. It was a pleasure to call his games and and be around, um, you know, someone that enjoyed being out on the field every single day. Uh, Kutch was good. Obviously, he had some some spells where he was. Um, dealing with things and, and it finally clicked and, and you're going, okay, next year, I, I really do think that we're going to see a different guy. Bryce was, I think, incredible. And people, you know, say, oh, well, he struggled. And I said, well, yeah, he did. And he also uh, battled through some injuries uh, like many guys do, but a back injury we all can attest to is is miserable. I don't care who you are. It's miserable. It makes you in a bad mood all all the time. But you know, he ended up playing in 58 games. He had the most play, played appearances on the team, and it, it it showed how much he like it mattered to him to play um, this season um, for the fan um, and you know for his teammates. And I think that was that was incredible. I think there's you know a guy like Gene Segura who may not have put up the offensive numbers, but what he was defensively this year was just beyond because you look at someone that's moving from shortstop to second base or whatever to third base and make it at ease and be accountable over there and understand that that's what the team needed. So that's what they did. So Gene Segura was, uh, someone I looked at that just blew my blew everything out of my mind. Uh, you know, maybe preconceived notions of, uh, off of last season and some, you know, what was me moments, but Gene Segura was phenomenal, and I think, um, you know, I, I hope people understood that uh, what he did this year is, is not normal. Like, you don't see guys go around the infield the way he does and put and make it with ease. So that was great. Uh, Phil Gosselin had a, a phenomenal start, we all know, ended up, you know, struggling quite a bit, and that struggle was being overexposed, and that's fine. That's fine. We know he is. He rakes lefties, might struggle against righties, and in the right situation, he is an unbelievable pinch hitter, and that's okay. So Phil Gosson was uh, someone that I really enjoyed. Andrew Knapp, I mean, you look at a backup catcher and you don't want to expect anything. You just hope that you know he continues ways. But the way Andrew held the staff together when JT was down, the way he went from consistency of, of a bat to a bat – uh, for a long period of time, till he had to get you know play like almost like Phil, almost get ogre exposed, and that's fine. Uh, what we understood about Andrew Knapp is the guy could play, and the guy made some unbelievable adjustments at the plate. And I just thought 
it from a bat to a bat, uh, he was phenomenal. 849 OPS. And yeah, it helps when you walk 15 times, but that's also the thing. He walked 15 times. Uh, it, it's not easy to do when you don't play all the time. And for him to show the patience, show the work that they had, uh, I think was tremendous. I think Roman Quinn has a long ways to go. We need to see more winning player out of Roman Quinn. Do anything and everything possible to win a game. When you get to two strikes, shorten up. Put the ball in play. I don't care if you've, if you've hit one 450 feet. I don't. Uh, this team and organization needs a guy that's going to be willing to put everything on the line whenever they, they have to. Um, and Roman's an unbelievable human being, so I'm not going to sit there and say, well, yeah, he doesn't. No, he gets it. I'm sure he does. Uh, but you can watch some of these playoff games and look at it, and you're going, dang. Uh, you know, These guys, if they get the two strikes and against a nasty guy and they're fast, by the way, they're not getting out of the way of pitches. They're finding a way to get on base. By, getting hit by a pitch doesn't do anything but make your on-base percentage go up. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, and then the guys like Adam Hazley, I think they they still need, you know, that that seasoning. I think there's a little bit more fire that we could see from Adam. Uh, some, you know, he gets himself into some counts. I, I would love to see him be able to turn on balls even more. Um, and I think that would be a, a huge thing for him this offseason. It doesn't make you into a pole hitter, but you need to be able to have that and be able to go in the tank. You can't, you know, for me, being a first-round pick and having almost 100 ABs this year, uh, not have any homers. Um, yes, he drove in some big runs, and and that's always a great thing. Um, but, again, uh, we're looking at someone that uh, I think the franchise needs to look at as a piece and not someone, well, you know, all this stuff. Uh, Mickey Moniak didn't see enough. Uh, just there's time. There's plenty of time in being young and, and 22, 22 years old. Uh, Rafael Marchand, uh, I thought, defensively was fantastic. Um Everything that he did through spring training all the way to, you know, the alternate site to making he's the the, the prime example of having the opportunity, um, taking advantage of it in spring training every time out. And that to me is a testament to him. And it's a testament to the organization to recognize that they DFA Davey Grion. Uh, they gave Rafael Marchand a chance because defensively he can hold himself, but to see the homer that he hit uh, and the first one he's ever hit in Pro Bowl, I think was just beyond anything. So, you know, uh, I mean, that's basically the season review. Guys that stood out to me, um, you know, and, and I think it, it ends up with the guy that has the ceiling that we just don't really, I think, fully fathom of what it could be. You hope that it, it translates into 162. But Alec Bohm was – he was so special. He offensively, he was so special. What he did at first base, I think, was was great. He made he made himself into a, a pretty okay third baseman. Still things to work on, but I'll tell you this right now: uh, that that Braves game where he made a few errors and had a few taken away. I look at him and I'm just like, wow, that's a very tough-minded kid. Now you have a, a the ability for him to shoot the ball the other way. Uh, he has the power. I think the one thing that he is going to learn is that there are certain guys, um, left-handers especially, that he's going to need to turn and burn on. Not all of them are going to miss out over the plate, and there's going to be some games where he's just going to need to become pull hitter. And I think people have listened to me long enough. I'm not into the pull thing, but there's certain pitchers that, yeah, might as well, you know. And and he's going to do that. 
the mature I don't know, I'm like approach. I mean, it, it's just an old school approach. It's an it's a guy that understands who he is and never gets out of it. And I just really, really, really appreciate Alec Bohm and what he had done. So uh, <laughs> you're you're, you're going to say who was the best out of it all? I I'm, obviously Harper was um, for for most of the part. Um, I think Didi was just a solid force for the Phillies this year. But Alec Bohm to me came up and did some things that I just. I, I can't ignore. I mean, he did tie me for, you know, highest batting average in the 2000s uh, with the minimum of like 175. I had like 20 more AVs. No big deal. Uh, but Alec Bohm is um, a million times better than me. So that's fine. Um, and there's some things that really, really build off for this franchise. And who knows where we go with this? Um, the franchise is in a, in a state of flux and we're, we're understanding that there's um, moving parts to certain things. Uh, what we do know is that in the 2021 season, there are some really, 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 really good players on this team that are already here and signed. Um, and we hope that there's others that are going to help out the franchise and continue to stay with the franchise. But that's up to, you know, whoever makes those decisions. And Mike, Matt Klintak is the man right now. And I don't see that changing. And it's one that I think that he's taken to heart. Matt's a great human being. Matt is a great, phenomenal human being. And I think that, uh, you know, at some point it's going to take it, it, it's finally going to get you know some luck on his side too and things that he he gets and brings in is just going to explode and and that to me is is something there so uh with that being said i think the MOE playoffs as they've already started we're in you know the the march madness the september madness of of baseball day uh dodgers brewers braves reds cubs marlins cardinals padres uh I like the Dodgers. I, I think that the Brewers, if they get a chance to get into that pen of Devin Williams and, and um, Josh Hader with a lead, that that's a scary thought. But the Dodgers have been so phenomenal throughout the year. The Braves-Reds, uh, it, it all depends on the Braves and their starting staff because the, the Reds' starting staff is phenomenal with Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, uh, Castillo. I, I, I think that you're, you're, you're looking at a guy that um, – started out the year 0-5 and was one of the best pitchers in baseball still. Um, the Cubs-Marlins, I here's the thing. Had had the Cubs gone you Darvish in game one, I really think the Marlins won that series. But the Cubs are going with Kyle Hendricks, and I think he could put you in a tailspin for a young team that's excited to be there, that's really been rolling. That move by the Cubs, I really like. And it, it really changed my thoughts on where they should go cards and Padres. I hope the Padres win. I just like watching Fernando Tatis jr. They're starting Chris Paddock. I know they went with, uh, uh, Denilson, uh, Lamette in, in, I think it's that one of the Saturday games. And so they weren't able to start him and he's been phenomenal. So you hope the Paddock finds a little bit of his 2019 self. Cause that 2019 self was pretty damn good. So you, you're going to see that. Uh, Rays and Jays. The Rays played just a, a phenomenal uh, brand of baseball. One that I look at and I go, they play a winning style of baseball. They don't have one guy that stands out. Brandon Brandon Lau has been really good for him. Uh, Rosa Reina is really good. But look, it's not that. It's the fact that they play winning baseball. Joey Wendell showed me everything this last weekend uh, in, in Tampa Bay. As far as understanding who he is, understanding what he brings to the, the that team uh and never giving it away in a bat and if he did get 
out, it was, you know, uh, five pitches at least. Uh, get the two strikes, I'm going to battle. Oh, I'll wear a pitch if I have to because, you know, me being on base matters more than anything. Uh, but the Rays, they give you every different look in the bullpen. Um, and and so it's a, it's a phenomenal team. One that I don't know, I can't sit here and say that, yeah, they're going to win it all. But I'll tell you what, I enjoy watching the Rays, and I enjoyed watching them the last three games, even though they beat us and eliminated our playoff spot. They were a team that had really zero to play for, and they played for everything. And that that says everything to me as a former player, as a fan, as a broadcaster. I really enjoyed that. A's versus the White Sox. Chris Bassett, if he was able to have gone game one, it would have been easy A's over uh, the White Sox. But they had to go with Jesus Lazardo. Um, the White Sox unload on lefties, and they did yesterday, uh, as we saw. Um, and it's like almost one of those Kyle Hendricks-type deals where if you see maybe he gets there in that chance and opportunity um, to go game one, as he is, uh, he could put them in a tailspin. Chris Bassett could have done that. Twins-Astros, I had the Astros in this. I just didn't like the Twins the way they ended in as far as the, the amount of injuries that they have. Uh, so that's one of those things. Indians and, and Yankees, it's the starting pitching, but it's the top four guys in the in the Indians lineup that is going to dictate everything. And they didn't do anything last night against Garrett Cole, um, or not enough. Cesar Hernandez, congrats on you know to him. Congrats to, to Freddie Galvis on, on getting into the, the postseason. Uh, but but those guys with the Indians, they have a you know tough task right here. Uh, the the fact that the Yankees went on the road and got Shane Bieber to me is one of those things uh, that was incredible last night. Um, and my final thoughts on just this incredible 2020 season. It, it's unprecedented. We understand that. But the fan, uh, to each of you, thank you. Thank you for your continued support for this franchise, uh, for keeping me in line with a lot of things. Keeping you know listening on to the uh, the Pine Tar for Breakfast podcast uh, and to the Fandemic crew, thank you for every night being there and making sure that you know when Scott and I were the only ones in the ballpark, um, and Angel and Bill were there, but they had their windows shut so we couldn't hear them. But like the national TV nights and you guys were there in the dark, thank you. Yeah, you guys, you guys kept it real for all of us and knowing and understanding that there was some fan always at our games, uh, whether we were on the road or at home. And so to the pandemic crew, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't thank you enough. I know Scott and, and all the boys, all the broadcasters, we appreciated you. And I know from the player side, the coach's side, you guys were tremendous. So until then, until the next time, uh, which hopefully is going to be again this week, um, got some things going on, you know, baby coming on the way. So I'll keep you guys up to date on that, but more podcast, pine tar for breakfast this offseason a lot of it as we got a lot of things to discuss a lot of people to talk to and uh that's it that's the 2020 season okay I mean, we're into the offseason already so till then peace Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.